Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And today, we have a bit of breaking news in the K-State recruiting... In the K-State basketball <laughs> realm. We're keeping it. One take. One take. But, yeah, there is a brand new head basketball coach for the men's basketball team. And this has been a coaching search that has been going on ever since Bruce resigned, obviously, which, funnily enough, was the last time we made an episode. Yeah. I was busy in South Carolina and then Atlanta. Don't go to Atlanta. But <laughs> it's, it was really a rapid hire in which Gene Taylor said that he wanted to have the hire done. By the time the Elite Eight rolled around, or the Final Four rolled around, he ends up getting it before the Sweet 16. And the hire that he made was someone we actually talked about. I believe it was Nathan's second pick. He was my lowest pick, but I've come around on him because, you know, what else would I do? (laughs) But this is the former Baylor assistant coach under Scott Drew, Jerome Tang, who has been with the Baylor Bears for quite a long time and was a part of one of the greatest turnarounds in college basketball history at Baylor under Scott Drew. Yep. I think he actually precedes Scott Drew, doesn't he? Um, I think he may have gotten there at the same time as him. I doubt they left anyone behind from the previous staff after, you know, what happens at Baylor. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. But as for Jerome Tang... Although he is a hire, we just want to plug in this announcement right here. With a new hire comes new Alley Cat merch, and we'll actually be releasing it probably either the day of or the day this, after this episode comes out. And if you follow us on Twitter, you you know what the design's going to be. But yeah. just you at the very least know what the text will be. Yeah. So so be on the lookout for that, and if you like the design, be sure to check it out and buy it because I know I'll be buying one. I will be buying one as well, so I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, but with that shameless bit of self-promotion out of the way, Connor, what do you, what do you, uh, well, you can go over a bit more of Jerome Tang's history other than him being an assistant coach. Yeah, well, I mean, 19 years as uh, a guy at Baylor, a lot of it is the associate head coach, which for those that don't know, that's basically like the, the second rated coach. Uh, I mean... His history speaks for itself, really. I mean, he's somebody that's universally respected in coaching circles and recruiting circles. He has really deep ties to Texas and Louisiana, as well as other areas of the country. He's really well-spoken, especially compared to Bruce. <laughs> and hey, I, no. look, look, I love I, I, I love Bruce's awkwardness, Bruce, we can't, but, but it's we can't. not like he's... <laughs> Bruce is still catching strays. <laughs> I think it's endearing, personally. I love Bruce. I love yeah. Bruce, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and Tang, he he kind of, he was helping. He was like tip of the spear with the transfer portal as well. I mean, that's a lot of the reason why Baylor won that national championship is because they were able to navigate and understand the importance of the transfer portal before a lot of other coaches were able to. And that's that. That's a universal thing. They were they were well aware of the importance of it. I mean. Uh, Macy Oteague and Davion Mitchell, those were the leaders on that team. And Mitchell's in the NBA now. Teague might be? I have no idea, actually. And 
But they were they were the leaders on national tam- championship team that I think lost one game all season. Yeah. And <laughs> so Tang's after spending 19 years in the Big 12, he's very familiar with K State. As we know from what Gene said today in a video that was released by Athletics, uh, he had other offers, many other offers from Power 5, Power 6 teams, and he turned them down and didn't even listen to them because he wanted to be here. I think that speaks volumes not only to Jerome Tang and his seriousness with this job, but also just to the quality of the K-State job as a whole. I think a lot of fans haven't recognized that recently, but K-State is a historic program. It's just that the last 25 years have been either not good or, like, briefly good. It's been very up and down. And especially, like, you know, fans like me or Ace, where, I mean, like, when I was a kid, like, K-State wasn't all that great until the Beasley era. And then, you know, Bruce has been so up and down. But there hasn't been consistent greatness like there was in K-State's past. I mean, Lon Kruger was great. Uh, Hartman was excellent for K-State. Some great players rolling through in the 80s, like Mitch Richmond, who's considered to be one of the most underrated NBA players ever. I mean, Michael Jordan has gone to great lengths to talk about how great Mitch Richmond was. I mean, like, I can go back through all the different parts of K-State basketball history, but, I mean, the important thing to note is that this is a widely respected job in the country. Even though it is a difficult job, it's a really good job. And I think that Jerome Tang is really familiar with that, especially having spent a lot of time in Manhattan just as an opposing coach. He's aware of the advantage that can be brought from a home crowd when the team is rolling, and that's what he's trying to do already. Yeah. And I am loving that approach from him. Oh, yeah. You, I'm, I'm guessing you did see the video. It's like, I know what it's like to be here when this place is rocking. Yeah. I need you to be there and cheer alongside me. Don't yell at me anymore. Yeah. I thought that was a. I thought that was really cool. Just stop yelling at me now and start yeah. yelling at the opponent. And he specifically, uh, this was important to me. He specifically called the students yep. to do it because I feel, for especially for those Wednesday night games, who's going to show up? Yeah, it's going to be the students. That's going to be. I truly am of the belief that, yes, season ticket holders are important, more so for football than basketball. Yeah. But the students, especially for basketball, need to be where you build your fan base from. Mm -hmm. And Tang knows that, or at least he seems to know that. So that's where he's really going to at least be trying to build from the bottom up. And I think his, his quote about... We, we have it listed right here on the article we're looking at. I'm just going to go into the, the last bit. We look forward to making the Octagon of Doom the best home court advantage in the country. Which, first off, that is one of, like, four times that I've ever heard Octagon of Doom officially. Because I like cause they just kind of... just kind of a name. Yeah. Especially since Bruce has gotten here, it hasn't really been leaned into as much, which is fine. That's not a dig at Bruce. I mean, that's just his, that's just that's what, his yeah. choice, but... I mean, like, my formative years with K-State basketball, I mean, like, that was when the Octagon Doom really started to emerge. And, like, the Beasley era, the Poland era especially, I mean, the Beasley era was a single season. But, <laughs> but like, that era uh, under Frank Martin, I mean, like, Octagon of Doom really emerged. And for probably about five or six years, K-State was considered to be one of the most imposing atmospheres in all of basketball. 
And a lot of that, like you said, was because of the students. The students were rabid back then. I mean, they were they were absolutely nuts. I uh, during spring break just completely out of nowhere, my YouTube recommended recommended me the full game of uh, KU versus K State in two thousand eight. The uh, one where we ended the streak, mm-hmm. and of course I watched the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah, and it was phenomenal just to watch like what an environment can bring. I mean, I mean, they, it was so loud the entire game. It was constant. It was like I wouldn't say constant booze. There were a lot of booze, <laughs> like when bad things happened and stuff. I mean, like it wasn't just that they were there; so they were in tune to what was happening and. Yeah. They were paying attention because I mean, especially like recently, it feels like yeah, it feels like people have been showing up to the games, but they haven't quite been as into it. Yeah, I I think is a good thing to say. But Drum Tang is immediately going for student outreach and more importantly, connection. He's really trying to connect. I think that's the important thing that maybe was missed there is the connection part. Yeah, because as much as there there are a lot of people who really liked Bruce, I'm hooked to the back of the chair. There were a lot of people who really liked Bruce. Well, that's a hole in the hoodie. Oh, well. (laughs) There were a lot of people who really liked Bruce, like I've said three times now. But I can never say that I truly related to him in the way that I was probably supposed to. I related to him in the fact that he was just a goober. Yeah. But, and we all all have moments where we're (laughs) goofy goobers. But... (laughs) Yeah. There. <laughs> we we all have moments where we just put our foot in our mouths basically, but yeah. I never felt that Bruce was uniquely equipped to connect to a college fan base. He can connect to players all right, which you can see through his recruiting. Yeah. But I feel like there was always a disconnect between Bruce and the fan base. Yeah. And that's something that I feel like Tang I'm not sure if he knew, but he seems to be wanting to rectify it as soon as possible. Which good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm loving uh Tang so far. Granted it's been officially like five hours. It's but been... <laughs> I mean, although we've we've kinda known at least for at least a couple days probably at this point. Maybe a day or two, yeah. Maybe a day. But I mean I think also another thing that we need to talk talk about that we haven't touched on yet is Gene Taylor's role in this and how I think that this should finally open the eyes of the fan base into realizing that Gene is not a bad athletic director. He's actually quite a good athletic director. What he, you, no, I'm sure Tang has some connection in North Dakota State. That would be incredible. <laughs> like he took a recruiting <laughs> visit there one time. They're like, Fargo Gene does it again. <laughs> Fargo Gene does it again. It's been a meme that you and I have used a lot. Just every single time a hire has yeah. been made, it's like, I wonder what's his connection. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Gene, I mean, like, the whole fan base, I feel like, really, once the search truly got rolling, it turned into a 1A, 1B of Brad Underwood and Jerome Tang. And there was a lot of speculation on the realistic nature of we could get Brad or not. And it kind of went back and forth for a while. And there there were high moments and low moments with that. But Drum Tang was like kind of the lone consistent force, I feel like, in this search. Like Grant McCastle like rose very quickly and then just and fell, died. fell off of the base of the earth in this search. And now yeah. he's at a LSU? No, um, that's McMahon, I think. Yeah, Matt McMahon just got hired at LSU. 
which is an interesting hire. I'm not sure how I feel about Mac McMahon. I mainly because Murray State has been a good program for a very long time in mm-hmm. their conference, and none of their coaches have really had success at the Power Five level. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. But Gene was able to navigate this coaching search, uh, a really difficult search, I would say, and make the tough choice to not chase the nostalgic like guy basically the the one that the fan base was yearning for because they felt like they messed up and they wanted him back and whether or not he was ever a realistic option we may or may not ever truly know but at the end of the day gene was able to see through a lot of the smoke and even though he was option 1b at least as far as i can tell the whole time he was able to still negotiate what I think is an excellent contract for K-State's side. She'll go into it in a minute. Mm-hmm. And really come out and make what I think was probably the best possible hire. I, I don't know if Gene could have done better. And now we've gotten to the point where Gene has hired, what is it, Chris Kleiman. Chris Kleiman. Who is coming off a great bowl win and has a lot of momentum heading, heading into this year. Pete Hughes, who they're on an eight-game win streak right now after a rough start, the Backcats. And they have an insane recruiting class coming in yes. next year, including a top 500 player in Micah Dean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've, and they've got a great recruiting class this year. We still haven't even seen Jackson Wentworth, who was literally <laughs> drafted. Yeah. <laughs> and decided against that and came here instead. Then... Uh, now he's hired Jerome Tang, who has united the K-State basketball fan base for the first time in probably a decade. Yeah, like, I, that, is, I think, is the most insane thing about Tang, is that it took him about five and a half hours to unite the entire K-State fan base. That's something Bruce couldn't do in ten years, which, granted, people never gave, there were people who never gave Bruce a shot. Yeah. But those exact same people who never gave Bruce a shot are now giving Tang a shot, which if you would have told me that, if you would have told anybody that two weeks ago, the stupidest people on the internet would have laughed in your face. But here we are, and the majority of the fan base is okay with a hire that on paper you would expect this fan base to be angry about. Yeah, I was also... Uh, at first, a little surprised that Gene was so interested in a guy with no head coaching experience because we heard at the beginning of the search that head coaching experience was something that was really valuable, although not a requirement, obviously. Obviously. And, but I, um, I'm happy that Gene was able to get past that and he was able to see that Tang, but despite the lack of head coaching experience, he was the best option for the job and clearly somebody that connected with the fan base at a really high level and gene deserves a lot of praise for this hire i think i mean because being an athletic director like 95 percent of the time more than that probably is going to be shaking hands like building relationships with with donors like day-to-day operations but the one percent of the time where it's like a coaching search is unbelievably stressful and part of the 85 percent is getting yelled at on twitter yeah (laughs) but especially in the scad segment yeah unfortunately for him but lucky could have happened anybody (laughs) i I really hope that this search while also rejuvenating interest in the basketball program as it should 
also maybe rehabilitates the fan base's outlook on Gene Taylor. I really think he's been wrongfully disliked for, I don't think, at least up until this point, I didn't, I never thought he was like the sensational athletic director that was like unbeatable. But I think that he's been really admirable and this has been maybe his best hire even over Kleiman. At least we'll, we'll see what the we'll, results we'll show. See. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> but, I mean, Tang as a guy on paper and as a fit, especially considering the situation that he was walking into, it, I, I, I'm really liking the fit thus far. And I, I like Tang's presence. I'm really looking forward to his introductory press conference. Wish it wasn't in like three days. Yeah. <laughs> Wish it was right now. But, yeah, that'd be better. Yes. But I don't know. Props to Gene. Yeah. You know, you still you you still have a couple things mean gene that I take exception to. Leaving at halftime. You know, football games. Reentry policy still sucks. Yeah, reentry needs to be gone. L- leaving half of Toynton gone forever. <laughs> yes. But I, I that's would really, not really his yeah. fault. Yeah. I, I as I recall that was just a when was that facility renovation finished? Was that 2020? I think, yes, it was supposed to be. And they, quote-unquote, finished it, but I guarantee you they wanted to, you know, at least put speakers in the student section. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they put one speaker facing outwards on the side of Toynton now, so <laughs> it's, like, kind of out by those bleachers. Yeah. But uh, they did something. They did least. something. But... A big part of us congratulating Gene Taylor on this hire is the favorable contract that he was able to get. And I know no head coaching experience. You have to take that into account. But if Jerome Tang is to work out, and we're both of the opinion spoilers for what do you think of this hire, which will happen in like 10 minutes. If it is to work out, this is one of... And this is not an exaggeration. It is one of the most team-friendly contracts in Power 6. Yeah. And I'm not sure that there's much debate there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Tang is going to average over the six years of his deal $2.35 million per year. He's starting at $2.1 and gets a $100,000 base salary increase every year on the contract. I think that's a phenomenal deal, which, yes, again, we've said it before, we'll say probably plenty of times, no head coaching experience, but you look at this deal and you can't help but feel really comfortable with it because Tang was probably the most highly sought-after assistant in Power 5, Power 6, and we got him on a deal that was cheaper than what Bruce was making. Yeah. Bruce, Bruce made $2.6 million this year. And Tang is going to be paid $2.1 million next year. And that's a phenomenal deal. I mean, it's also a great deal for Tang. He's probably getting his salary at least doubled with this. Yeah. So like he's, it's not like he's getting the short end of the stick. But especially comparatively to what we probably would have had to pay Brad, which was an $8 million buyout and probably somewhere in the range of like 4 to $5 million a season, what you're looking at, is Tang's entire contract is probably about a year and a half of what it would have cost to have Brad as our coach. And I would have loved to have Brad just as a K-State fan and, you know, to bring back a former player and a a native Kansan would have been great. But 
Tang, I feel like, could bring similar results for a lot cheaper, especially once we see the assistance that he brings, if he brings in any transfers, and how he does in the recruiting trail. Which we'll talk about, maybe speculate on the staff yeah. in a minute. But, yeah. I And obviously that's before incentives. I imagine yeah. that... Yeah. The way that I'm thinking this probably will happen is we obviously don't have the contract right in front of us because there's a lot of things that we probably can't and probably shouldn't see in contracts like that. But what I imagine is that there's probably a lot of incentives for doing well. Yeah. So, you know, meritocracy. (laughs) Yeah. I... That's pretty standard for uh, coaching contracts, especially in football, but it's really starting to grow into basketball right now. Uh, you get bonuses for like winning the regular season title, winning the conference tournament, making the NCAA tournament, uh, wins in the NCAA tournament, making like to a certain distance in the NCAA tournament. I'm certain he has a hefty bonus for if he wins a national championship, which... Which he will. Fingers crossed. No, there's no fingers crossed. No, he's going to do it. But... <laughs> I mean, I'll have a bold prediction about Tang. It won't be that, but it'll be something. Um, I, yeah, his, the incentives are probably there. But, I mean, somebody with FOIA, the uh, contract here pretty soon, and we might be able to see incentives. We probably will be able to see incentives probably. like that. But Is, Didn't the climate incentives come out, like, a week after? Yeah. The... I mean, a lot of it, honestly, probably isn't finalized yet. No. I mean, like, a lot of that sticky-tacky stuff that mm-hmm. his agent will probably handle anyways, unless he has something that he's, like, really particular about. Yeah. But that'll probably all get ironed out here pretty soon. <laughs> he gets <laughs> he gets to inherit the Myers-Mobile. <laughs> sure. Sure, whatever. He all right. <laughs> <laughs> and he, will, he has a contract stipulation that he will never dye his hair purple. That's a deal-breaker. No, that's, can't do it. That's a deal. <laughs> but let's talk about the... Let's maybe talk a little bit about the staff that we could bring in before we talk about our predictions and expectations. Yeah. Obviously a lot of the staff, whenever you have a new coach coming in is it's up in the air. There are a few names that if you subscribe to K state online, you've heard about, we're not going to go over their heads with paid content because they do good work. Please go support KSO. Yeah. Um, We're not going to name names there. But just know that there are a couple of Power 5 assistants out there that may be looking for new jobs and that Jerome Tang may be able to lure here. But the one name that we can say, because I've seen it numerous times on non-paywall content, Shane Southwell being retained, which, yes. (laughs) I hope so. Allegedly, he did have Power 5 offers to go elsewhere um, last season, so... Hopefully we're able to retain him. I think keeping Shane is A, just a smart move in general because I think that Shane's a really good young coach who just needs more development. I think he's a ways away from being a second chair or a head coach. but Or I think it'd be first chair. But, yeah, first chair. But he, uh, I think he could really flourish under Jerome Tang and uh, learning from him, especially Jerome Tang being someone that's that was an assistant coach and associate coach for so long. He definitely knows the ropes on that. And that's a invaluable resource for Shane Southwell. Also just for roster cohesion, because you have to hope that a lot of the guys will be returning just because, I mean, eventually there's only so many guys you can get in the portal. 
Yeah. Like, realistically speaking. Okay. And it's unlikely that we'd be able to get replacements at the same level for everybody on the roster. Yeah. So there's lots of guys that you probably want to see stick around. Like the guys like Nigel, guys like Marquise. I personally would really like to see Davion stick around. I'd like to see Selton stick around. Yeah. And the Maximus Edwards, we haven't even seen him yet. I'd like to, at the very least, see him on the floor. Yeah. (laughs) Something I will say is that, take this for whatever you will, uh, Marquise did end up posting something on his Instagram basically saying give the coach a shot. And then I think it was Ish, Nigel, and Marquise all posted the accomplishments of Tang. So that kind of leads me to believe, alongside Nigel being Nigel, (laughs) who's, from all I've seen, one of the most remarkably loyal as well as just generally good dudes that I've seen. So I think those guys will stick around, but... He will. I think the first thing that we'll have to look for for Tang is who he gets to replace the two people that are leaving, and that's Mark Smith in Mike McGurl. Yeah. Okay. Let's be honest with each other. the The big one is going to be replacing Mark Smith. Yeah. Mark brought so much to this team, especially down the stretch. He was invaluable, and Mike honestly was, I think, kind of an underrated glue guy this year. I he had blunders at times, of course, but. He, when he was able to slip into a role of not being the primary or secondary scorer and just basically be a junkyard dog that did whatever the team needed, he was a lot more valuable in that sense. And even then, he still had his scoring spurts. He had, I think, like 21 or 22 against uh, Oklahoma in the last game of the season. But I, I am curious who he brings in. Uh, you have to wonder if anybody from Baylor might transfer. That's entirely possible. And I, I'm hopeful because I would take anybody on their roster. I, yeah, I would too. <laughs> so uh, hopefully Tang might be able to bring somebody, maybe an assistant, which I'm not going to like bank on Tang taking the entire, like gutting all of Baylor because A, I don't think they do it, and B, I don't think he'd do that. Yeah. So I, I just don't think that's something that will happen. But we might see an assistant maybe to come, I think, if we're being realistic. But I don't know. Uh, that's that's all I have to say. I, I, yeah. I ran out of things to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now we'll get into the predictions and expectations. So the first thing that I want I want to say is my expectation, and this is not my prediction because there is a difference. My expectation is that we are a team that is able to push for the round of 32 by his third year. That is my expectation. My prediction is that this next year will be probably one of the best of his contract, just because of the players that we have. The second year will take a lull, and then maybe the third year is when we get there. Basically, what I'm saying is that the first one to three years of Tang will be very inconsistent. And I'm not talking Bruce level of inconsistency where it's game to game. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm talking about from a year to year thing. So think of Kleiman, basically. Um, if we're taking the COVID year as a normal year, which you shouldn't, but it, it works in every other way. 
He had a he had a pretty okay first year. He was what seven and five, eight and five. Uh, eight and five. No, because we lost the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, eight and five. Oh yeah, eight and five. Yeah. Anyway, then the COVID year, which was terrible. Yeah. And then this year, which was eight and five. Yeah, eight and five. So I that's kind of what I'm thinking. His first three years will be G- good, like okay to good. Eh. And then okay to good, and then on an upward trajectory. That's my prediction. For all I know, <laughs> he could come in, and then suddenly we're a sweet sixteen successor. Would I enjoy that? Yeah, I like that honestly. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. My expectations for recruiting, though, I expect recruiting to get a lot better, especially in the southern part of the United States, yeah, and the Dallas Fort Worth area, which. Fun fact, the Dallas-Fort Worth area in every sport ever, except maybe hockey, has an insane amount of talent. Yeah. And there's also a direct flight to Manhattan. So we need to be utilizing that resource to the best of our abilities. And for my predictions, well, I'll say my expectation is that we average, at least for the first few years, around 20 wins. I would like it to be above 20 wins, especially, because I think that with additional post presence, we could very easily have a 21 team next year. Oh, absolutely. I think if we yeah. had a decent post yeah. player this year, we would have yeah. won 20. Because I think preseason, I predicted about 20 wins, 21 wins mm-hmm. for we this year. Did. However, that was contingent on having conscious post players. <laughs> and for most <laughs> Which, of the year, um, we did not. So That's tough. Yeah. And... I think Tang, I honestly think he's going to get better quicker because of his ability to use the portal to his advantage. I also I also really like that he has pretty strong connections to Sunrise Christian Academy in Wichita, which is one of those like basketball factories that pop up across the country, like those prep schools. Mm-hmm. And they currently have a very highly rated player, Baylor does, out of Sunrise Christian Academy. Uh, Kendall Brown, I believe is his name. Hmm. Uh, four or five star guy. And there's a shot that we can uh, hopefully make a run at him. I have high hopes that recruiting is going to get a lot better and that Manhattan is going to become a basketball destination for guys that they mean business about basketball. Because, I mean, like, there's pretty much nowhere in the Big 12 that, like, guys are going to go because, you know... The nightlife is great, or something like that. Until maybe. Houston joins, <laughs> until Houston, maybe Austin. Austin, that's true. I always forget about Austin nowadays Which... because I don't count them anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's actually true. They're gone. Um, so I mean, I think Tang is going to do an excellent job of doing something that honestly I think Kleiman does as well, but I think he'll do this to a better degree. I think he's a better recruiter. I think he's going to be really good at finding business-oriented guys that want to enjoy their college life and really want to, you know, live like like live in a really great college town. But like they aren't all about just the bells and whistles of living in a big city, and they're above all looking at getting to the NBA yeah. and making it to a professional ball. I think he's going to be really good at finding those guys that are very business-oriented in their approach to the game. And moving moving forward with that. And I also think he's going to do great with the transfer portal. Uh, honestly, even Bruce did solid in the transfer portal last year. 
I mean, Marquise Noel was really great. Uh, Mark Smith was great down the stretch. Ish Masood was pretty up and down, but he kind of seemed to find a stroke down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I I have high hopes for Tang. My bold prediction is that in the next 10 years, we're going to be in a Final Four. I don't know if we're going to win in, in the Final Four, but I think we will reach a Final Four in the next 10 years. In the next 10 years? It's a pretty wide window. That's why I made it that <laughs> wide. Okay, if you had to pick one year, which year would you say? Or like, okay, that's not fair. What <laughs> what year after would you say? Because I, I kind of put the cutoff as, as year three being the, the make or break for Tang. Okay. What year would you say that prediction begins to become more realistic? Um, that's a tough question. Because and the first contract? Maybe earlier. Because in the transfer portal era, it's easier than ever to rebuild a team. Mm-hmm. Especially with a good recruiter. I mean, Tang can look at this team and say, we need a functional post player right now. We need a do-it-all wing like Mark Smith that can figure things out. And then we need to fill in with quality depth pieces at any position that we can find. Like He knows that we can do that. But he also knows that we have quality players on this roster already that he can build around, like Nigel Pack, like Marquise Noel, like Celta Miguel, like Ish Masood, and others. Like that's now there's quality players all over. And he may even see guys on the roster that we don't see as quality players and think, I can do something with that person. Lucas Soup key dropping 80 every game. I would allow it. But <laughs> I, I'm very high on Tang right now. Maybe it's just uh, the honeymoon phase of a new coach where it just feels like everything is going to go right. But, I mean, this feels like a really great hire on paper and in my heart as well. I mean, spending so long with Scott Drew, who's one of the most respected coaches in the country, probably the most respected coach in the Big 12, Yeah. even over Bill Self. Yes, I know that's like kind of a sacrilegious thing, but people just really like Scott Drew. No FBI investigations. That's true. Well, not while he's been there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then uh, Tang, he... He's been there. Uh, he's been his right hand man the entire time. He had multiple opportunities to go elsewhere. Power Fives across the country wanted Tang for a very long time, and he waited and waited and waited until the right opportunity pulled up, and that was K State. And to me, that says he is a plan-driven person, and he has a clear vision because I don't think he would wait that long as an as an assistant to basically just be like, "Yeah, I'll try this out." Right. Yeah, it's like I, yeah. he. Whenever you're in a position for that long, there has to be a reason why you leave, even if it is on paper, a an upgrade. So, like, say, to put this in terms of of you and I, let's say ESPN comes a knocking and they give us the rights to have our own show, like daytime ESPN television. We host our own show. We wouldn't do it because we think ESPN is soulless. Yeah. Even though it is objectively a better move up, I don't know what we would do with that because no. we don't like ESPN. I also wouldn't want to do TV unless you're talking about radio. Uh, well, the analogy works better for TV, but I wouldn't like TV. Yeah, I mean that's like well, the least see, that's like the least important thing about that analogy. <laughs> but I also just don't like TV. Okay. <laughs> like, or I wouldn't want to be on TV. I should say, like I do like TV. I just don't want to be on it. Yeah, that's fair because actually. If you want to work with that analogy even more, Tang is moving up from like an like a normal podcasting job or like a really really popular podcasting job, moving up to 
what he wanted, which would be TV on like a different network in this analogy. So he is moving up and he has a, he definitely is someone who knew what he wants. And that's why he chose here, which if I were the city of Manhattan embodied as a person, which you know what, that'd actually be a very strange person, <laughs> but <laughs> I would, I would feel honored by that. And honestly, I, I feel really good about the Jerome Tang hire because like you said, I don't think he goes anywhere where he doesn't have a plan immediately in the future. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Scott Drew did. Scott Drew had a plan whenever he came into Baylor. He's not someone who flew by the seat of his pants. And Tang has watched that happen in real time yeah. and became the associate head coach, the right-hand man in 2017. He's someone who knows how to build a program. He's, he's someone who knows and has seen how to build a program from way, way worse than what we've, we currently have. I believe in his ability to build this program. I do too. I, I'm 100% bought in with Jerome Tang, for better or for worse. I have high hopes, and I think that he can take us to heights that we haven't seen in a while. At the very least, consistency we haven't seen in a while, which would be better. But, yeah, I... I'm a big fan of this hire. And then also, one one more thing, just on his qualifications. This really emulates the hire that uh, Arizona just made uh, yeah. this past year. Uh, it's been talked about a lot. I'm not unique in this take. But uh, <laughs> I his name is evading me right now. Uh, Kenny something. Is that a Kenny or Tommy? Or Please look it up before I say something wrong. Tommy Lloyd. Tommy Lloyd? Yeah. Tommy okay. Lloyd, he was the he was an assistant and associate head coach at Gonzaga for like 20 years. And he just left to Arizona and they went from having not a great season as I recall to this year being a one seed and considered by some to be a favorite to win the tournament. They were my pick. And so Tommy Lloyd I actually picked Texas Tech, but which honestly is kind of a fair pick. I like Tech as a tournament team, especially like because they're not facing any teams they've seen yet. Probably, probably, yeah. But Arizona, because the Big Twelve has died. (laughs) Arizona has they they made a great hire, just taking a longtime associate who learned under a high level, nationally respected coach and Mark Few, who turned Gonzaga from being pretty much a no name private school to one of the premier basketball destinations in the country. And granted, Arizona is not a no-name school. They've been a basketball power before, and now they are again. But Tommy Lloyd was the one that righted the ship for them. And that's kind of what the ship needs right now, K-State right now. It needs writing, and I think the Jerome Tang. At least based on the transitive property <laughs> with Tommy <laughs> Lloyd in Arizona can do that for K-State. Yeah, I agree. I, for one, am ready to join the Doom Tank Clan. I'm ready to join the Doom Tank Clan as well. I'm very excited to join the Doom Tank Clan. It's so it's such a good name. But yeah, do you have anything else? Uh, no. I think I got everything off of my chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the rare Tuesday episode. Yeah. Which will be followed off by a rare not Friday episode. Yeah. But a Saturday episode. But it's worth the wait. Trust us. Is definitely worth the wait. We hope.
allegedly. Maybe. We'll see. Probably. But that wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats. Thank you all so much for watching. If you want to follow or contact the show, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at AC Edward 00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show in a more financial sense, you can go to the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where we have the super secret, for now, design that will be launching like i said either the day of or the day after this episode comes out as well as designs such as neon alley cats and play sandstorm cowards but most importantly thank you all for listening to this episode of the aggieville alley cats podcast where come rain shine or anything in between we're here to deliver to you the kansas state sporting news that you so love stay safe alley cats